Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's great to be with you. We are in another Gentleman's Hour here on Trending every Wednesday. Unpacking important topics relevant to all of us, but particularly to the culture and what's happening with men. We're going to be joined by Father Nathan Cromley from St. John Institute and Eagle Eye Ministries. We'll talk about praying like a man. Do you pray like a man? Do you know if there are any differences for men versus women praying? We'll talk about it. Also, are you seeing the trend? Fewer and fewer men getting married, staying married, and fewer men getting married a second time even. Cold feet, why are men marrying late? We'll discuss that as well as calling to action. If you're in California, Michigan, and Vermont, time to get active, time to fight against these radical, radical amendments to the state constitution that would lead not just to abortion on demand and free abortion, but minors being able to literally castrate themselves, engage in bodily mutilation, and stop the natural development of their own bodies through puberty without any parental consent. Do you also have perhaps a spouse, gentlemen, who's struggling with health, food, or fertility? How do you help her? Well, we'll talk about that today on Trending. Joining me today on Trending is Father Nathan Cromley. He can be found from his incredible work at the St. John Institute and Eagle Eye Ministries, especially focusing on forming and educating in the Catholic faith, that great foundation of our Catholic rich tradition and prayer life through his work with young people with Eagle Eye Ministries informing business professionals and leaders with the with the St. John Institute. Father Nathan Cromley, welcome back to Trending. Thanks, Timory. I'm just glad to be back with you again. Let's talk during our Gentleman's Hour today about prayer. I know that men and women really do pray differently. I think it's something kind of uh, not discussed enough within the Catholic tradition, things such as the importance of fasting, work and prayer, uh, prayer and sitting versus prayer and movement. Can you talk to me a little bit about the differences and specifically what it means to pray like a man? Well, you know, Timory, the first thing we have to do is be sure that we understand that men and women are different. And this is something we we, we theoretically acknowledge but in practice, our modern culture has blurred the distinction. And when we do that, of course, we, we hurt women as well as men because the, the beauty of men and women are that in our differences, we actually highlight one another. Uh, the more that men are manly in a beautiful and a true sense, the more that women will be able to flourish. And the more that women flourish, the more that men will be able to, to accept their true masculine identity. That's the Catholic position. That's the biblical position. That's God's position. A secular world doesn't seem to understand that. And so it wants men to become women, women to become men. And, and in the middle, you've got neither. 
And that androgyny is actually a, a sign of an anti-God message. God made male and female, and he made them in his image and likeness, each one, so that they needed each other. And that means that men should really want women to be like women. And women should really want men to be like men instead of women being jealous of men and canceling out their masculinity and men oppressing women and canceling out their femininity and, the, and their feminine power. And so the, the, I need to make that point first because if we're going to talk about how to pray like a man, we need to first accept that men are not women. <laughs> I don't know if, if, if that's already like a, a foregone conclusion to me or we should dwell on that a little bit more. I think it's a controversial topic in today's day and age, but you know, as Catholics, we understand that. It's a fundamental part of our teaching from the very foundation of the world, from the creation of the human person. So let's talk about those differences when it comes to praying now. What does it mean to pray like a man? Because, Father Nathan, I think many men really do struggle with prayer. Uh, they recognize it doesn't look like what they think is a picture-perfect form of prayer uh, that they think they're being called and encouraged to engage in. So what does that mean to pray like a man? Well, you, uh, I want to look at it from a biblical perspective. If you go back to Genesis and look at the relationship between Adam and his God, You'll find there a, 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 an incredible, um, I would say like a privileged relationship where God asks Adam to name all the creatures of the world. And that's an, a real intimacy between the man and his God where he's given this, this power of dominion, this naming. And of course, the woman's associated to him as his equal and his helpmate, equal in dignity, but different. And the difference is that, well, God gives that authority to the male to name all things. And he brings the woman from the side of Adam so that he could be in esteem for her. But that unique role of being uh, entrusted with the woman as the one, for example, that he is to protect and provide for, and entrusted with a garden as the place that he is to till and to, and, and to, to perfect, gives a, a relationship of responsibility at the core identity of a man with respect to his God. And when men pray, to, to pray out of that sense of responsibility, almost like you're giving an account back to the one who asked you to lead this world in his name, meaning being a servant and putting yourself under everyone, but at the same time to lead and be responsible that his garden be tended that, his, that the, the women of this world be led back to him and that all of the world be kept in good order. Uh, this is a, a real a doorway into the heart of a man that allows you mm -hmm. to understand why praying with Christ, the male, who is the good shepherd giving his life for the sheep, is, is, is uh, a share in the intimacy of, this, of the reigning God and the authority that he exhibits over his church and, and over his people. And I think we, can, we need to reawaken that sense. Uh, it allows men to be free in who they are and their identity as sons of God and collaborators with Christ, the Good Shepherd. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're talking about the sacrificial dimension of what prayer is for men and not missing that prayer is a sacrifice. Well, it, it, eminently so. It, it's not without accident that the vast majorities of culture gave the role of offering sacrifices to men. Uh, and if you look at the mm -hmm. leaders of religions worldwide, 
it's the vast majority of times in the hands of men. There's a natural correlation between that leadership of lifting this world to God and bringing God into the world that men can step into. And it needs to be understood because as much as that is shared with women and as much as women have an, a, a beautiful uniqueness to themselves, the fact is most men were raised by in, in Catholic schools by nuns <laughs> and by praying moms, but without praying dads. And so the spirituality that flows beautifully from the heart of a woman is sometimes made into a form that doesn't resonate with their masculinity, which is why as men grow, we see in America anyway, they all put themselves into the working world and throw themselves there as if that's where they're going to and sports and the military and making money as if that's where they're going to find their identity. And they leave the religious element with the feminine. That's a breakdown. The way that God made it, man finds himself most essentially, the most constitutive element in his relationship with God. So when we summon men to pray, we need to summon them to pray as if they were responsible for the world for which they are praying and offering themselves with Christ as a sacrifice. It's not without accident. St. Paul says to husbands, lay down your lives for your wives like Christ did for his church. Now, he doesn't say the same thing to wives. Why? Because they have a whole different way, a beautiful way, unique to them and equal in dignity, but different. And the male way of praying is to pattern themselves after Christ. So you find it, Timory, it resonates. As a priest, when I talk with young men especially, if I can give them some fasting, some physical mortification, some pilgrimages to do, or even real acts of service where they put their flesh in the game, it resonates with them at a real deep level. Let's talk about all of that because when I was thinking about men in prayer, the three things that I was really pondering, especially when talking to my husband about it, were fasting, work and prayer, which is kind of that sacrifice dimension, and then prayer in terms of movement versus sitting. So I find that and it appeals to me as well, uh, but predominantly toward men, that when they discover fasting is a fundamental part of prayer, it really transforms and gives purpose and focus to their prayer life. And I find it fascinating that that action of fasting really does move forward and grow a prayer life for many men when they keep to a fasting routine uh, that they see is transformative for that sacrificial dimension of who they are and that sacrifice they're offering. It goes back to looking at how Jesus saved the world and how Jesus loved the world and remembering that Jesus was a male. <laughs> he was a man. So it, it, I, I can't really justify it, but I don't need to. If we look at Jesus who loved us by dying on the cross for us in the physicality of his flesh, who'd spend entire nights in prayer, that resonates. Uh, I think that there's a, a, a foundational element of being able to provide for your family and to go out and meet the enemy, so to speak. That when you can incarnate that physically, it resonates in the heart of the men, all of whom want to be heroes secretly. How would you recommend someone who maybe has never fasted before to start incorporating fasting as a part of their prayer? Ha! <laughs> Fridays, Timory. Fridays yes. is the key. Already the church commands as to all of all Catholics is in canon law that Fridays you have to do some form of penance. Some form of physical penance every Friday. So it, it to honor our Lord. So if you haven't started yet, that's where you need to start. 
You can knock out meat. It'd be a terrific public witness to not do cookouts on Friday except to eat fish instead. But even if it's something that's a little bit lighter, like not eating breakfast. And here I just want to kind of summon my, my brothers in the Lord and my sisters too, but here especially to my brothers, not to be wimpy. I mean, come on, guys. You'll do intermittent fasting in order to lose weight. But if I told you to not eat breakfast, you'll say you're going to get faint by lunch. I'd say maybe, maybe of a medical condition, but maybe also you're just thinking that religion doesn't summon you to be body and soul in defense of the church and in defense of Christ and God. And, and on the contrary, he is, which is why we should be fasting. And I would summon in easy ways on Friday, skip a meal, and also to limit your alcohol content. Uh, this is a way you can become very soft, very fast by just giving into alcohol every time it's present. I think there's a, a beautiful witness we can give by fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, for example, from no alcohol or on weeknights from alcohol for the love of God and, mm -hmm. and picking someone that you're fighting for. Th this is, a, you know, and to lift up that fast as a spiritual prayer for someone who's been entrusted to you, your girlfriend, your fiance, your wife, your children, the, the, um, it, there, you can do more good by that prayer for them than you can by watching all kinds of news commentaries on what's going on in politics and getting <laughs> mad at the television. Right. That is a, such a good point that we're actually being productive through the very sacrifice of our fasting and prayer. And I appreciate that you mentioned you know, kind of this toughening up. We make so many excuses today when it comes to fasting. You know, we're called, as you said, by the church, Fridays to always ask for a sacrifice. That sacrifice is traditionally proposed by the church is no meat. And no meat for men can actually be a real sacrifice uh, and for a whole day. Or as you mentioned, abstaining from a whole meal or cutting off your food at three o'clock instead of six o'clock for the day. These things are, can be done, are things that can be done. And I always say, it's also a good sign. If you're having a hard time doing this, maybe you need to clean up other parts of your diet so that you're healthier when you go into your fasting. Because I really do find when you're eating healthier, it makes it easier to fast because you're giving your body what it needs. Father Nathan Cromley here on Trending with Timory. He's the founder of the St. John Institute and Eagle Eye Ministries. Uh, incredible work. You can find him at stjohninstitute.org. That's S-A-I-N-T, johninstitute.org. I'll post the link on my social media as well as in the podcast episode notes. Father Nathan, let's talk a little bit about work and prayer. You mentioned earlier that when you're talking to men about praying, you often recommend acts of mercy. Uh, acts of mercy could be one dimension of work and prayer, and also it could be just going about our day and turning our work into a prayer, as St. Benedict ha has also called us to do. Can you discuss this a little bit? You know, uh, Tim Marie, the, the, the heart of what I think I'm trying to say is that we need our, our, our men today, Christian men, to stand up and look at themselves as God looks at them. God has made you a guardian. He has made you a teacher. He has made you a leader, a defender, and a provider for his people. And that means that when there is a problem in the world for which you're responsible, you need to step up and address that problem. So when it comes to prayer, that means that your prayer is, is, is preeminent because you are the guardian and the, the provider and the protector of that common good, your family, your business office, your sports team, and praying and stepping into that spiritual reality to, to lift people up to God and to, and to direct that, that organization correctly. That's part of your masculine identity and the call that God's given to you as a man. So then when it comes to doing works, 
you, it, you, that, that flows from that. Meaning, where is there a need? I, I love the fact that the Knights of Columbus will cook breakfasts, uh, step up and set up chairs for dances, do all kinds of things for their parish. And there's a reason why the Knights of Columbus is such a beautiful example in that, in that they embody that, that call. Where there's a need, I need to fill it. Instead of where there's a need, I hope someone fills it. That's such a, a lackluster and, and soft way of living. And it allows other cultures and other influences to come into our places of worship, our families, etc. And it's a dereliction of our duty. The reason why Eve fell was because, in part, Adam didn't step in and kick the snake in the face. <laughs> and so, men, that's what we got to do. So when the devil's tempting the, the world around us, it's our job to engage by politics, by our work life, by our acts of service, to feed the poor, bury the dead, instruct the ignorant, all the acts of mercy as a form of our relationship with our God lived out in our bodies. Father Nathan, let's talk about another dimension. So you talked about the fasting, the work and prayer. Um, I find that men are more effective when they find the balance of movement and prayer. I've done a lot of retreats and programs with you through Eagle Eye Ministries, which is an incredible, an incredible uh, ministry working, providing outdoor excursions, the opportunity to find God in nature, praying, uh, fasting, going through everything such as, you know, the liturgy, the hours, adoration, receiving our Lord in the Eucharist at Mass, incredible programs for young adults are all year long. Again, you can find them at stjohninstitute.org for more information. But I've seen through those programs in particular how it speaks so profoundly to the heart, mind, body, soul of men. Uh, men are so visual and these retreats really provide men to f come into their own with regard to prayer. I find many men think that it's easier to pray while driving uh, instead of maybe sitting even in an adoration chapel, uh, that men through these programs that you do, you know, are able to pray in a stronger way because they're in front of a fire, they're hiking, or even just sitting outside looking at nature, that there's something about that movement of the outdoors, you know, even if they're still or active, that drives them to a better connection in prayer. Well, certainly can help some, you know, it, it's certainly not a law, but I do agree with you, Timory, that our, our, if, if you're struggling to find a way to pray and the ways that you're trying aren't working, that, you know, to have that openness and freedom to, to try to connect with God in a way that you find you can do. Um, sometimes you might be struggling with different, even just things in your brain chemistry that just make it impossible to focus, et cetera. And that motion and movement and physicality can really help. Absolutely. So I, I think it's worth exploring. I just don't, I also think, you know, the perennial acts of prayer in the church um, are, are always there, especially the liturgy. Um, that, that, that liturgy is the place of motion um, to when you genuflect, to really genuflect. Let your knee hit the ground and make the sign of the cross over your body. Um, so we, when, we, when we neglect the physicality of our bodies, we also neglect a lot of the efficacy of our prayer. So you're right. Motion can be a great thing. A guy's walking and, and exploring nature. I've seen that, you know, climbing mountains, etc. But it, all of that's to dispose you to the foundational act mm -hmm. of adoration of the soul. And I think mm -hmm. it's for each person to find that rhythm, but then to not stop either with just physicality, but to make mm -hmm. sure that that flows into an act of personal love towards your God.
Mm-hmm. And praying every day, going to adoration, being able to pray in a church. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that the mass is a movement. You know, when we talk about movement and prayer, how that's easier for men. Uh, because I found many men are better able to pray and even meditate during a traditional Latin mass than um, than the ordinary form of the mass today. And I've heard comments over and over again, it's because of the organization because of the movements of the altar servers, the service, the focus, where the focus is oriented in the mass. And I think that speaks volumes uh, to how, again, this whole idea of men in prayer and how that works and incorporates itself into the mass. Well, the mass is the, is the Catholic church is the, the teacher and the keeper of all wisdom with respect to human nature. And so that for the Tridentine mass uh, to the traditional Latin mass, the way that it was organically constructed came from centuries of knowledge of worship and so it's certainly not the only format and in the the new way of the mass you also have the the essential elements still intact of of that motion but yes the liturgy is the it should be the ideal place where you offer your body in sacrifice to god so here's some ways to do that first of all go to the church if I hear another fella tell me that they talk to God in their deer stand and this, so therefore they don't have to go to mass, I can, <laughs> you can talk to God in your deer stand, okay? But you can't receive the Eucharist in your deer stand. There's a big difference. <laughs> go to the church. Secondly, to dress up. I, I think it's an incredible act of worship. Buy yourself a suit, put a handkerchief in your breast pocket, uh, pocket, and then go to church looking like you're going to church. That's a big thing. Getting there early. That's another act of homage to your God, genuflecting all the way down, participating in the readings ahead of time, having a missile, reading your readings. These are small little gestures, but they actually make a big difference. You should feel a little bit tired after mass because you have on the outside carried your soul on the inside. This is a little note, Timory, of the differences between men and women. And everyone's different. You know, it's not an absolute, but in general, a man will pray best when his outside can carry the inside. And so allowing your the men in your life, ladies, and encouraging them to, to embody and to, to their, their soul in their bodies, by their dress, by their behaviors, by their words, by their, their tithe, uh, that's a huge act of sacrifice right there, by staying after, by kneeling down, by kissing the cross, kissing the statue of Mary, I think there should be no statue of Mary in a church that doesn't have flowers, for example. And it's a summon. The men of the world should be buying flowers for the statue of Mary at the church. Those are those are things. And then providing for the donuts and then provide all those things. Sometimes ladies can look down at that. I've, I've seen that women looking askance at that as if it's not deep enough. And that's not understanding the man's heart and the fact that he can by giving and sacrificing himself, he incarnates his love. That's Father Nathan Cromley from the St. John Institute. Find him at stjohninstitute.org. That's S-A-I-N-T, johninstitute.org. We'll be right back here on Trending with Tim Rates, our weekly Gentleman's Hour. If you have a question, numbers 1-888-914-9149. Cold feet, why are men marrying late? I'd love to hear from you. I put that question up on social media. You can also give me a call to share your thoughts.
It's a song I never heard before today from 1966. No Laura Nyro's The Wedding Bell Blues. It's this song that is so relevant to today. This culture we're living in where these women are waiting and waiting, waiting for the man to make the commitment to get married. And he is just not. I was looking at an article and it referenced this song. And is the problem today with marriage still that Bill still has cold feet? Do you think it's the case? Why are men avoiding marriage, not getting married at all, delaying, delaying? Or also, you know, we've seen a decline in remarriage as well. It's an interesting anomaly that many people have tried to unpack. And I think this song speaks poignantly to that pain for women and the ongoing crisis of cold feet. I was talking earlier to Father Rocky and he said it's difficult for men to grow up without their fathers at home teaching them how to work and model what it means to be a man. And this influences a man's commitment to marriage. Uh, joining me now is Father Nathan Cromley from the St. John Institute. Father Nathan, let's talk a little bit about why men are marrying late. I know you work with a lot of young women in particular. You're keenly aware of the challenge of singleness within the culture among young people. First-time marriages for men today are really over the age of 30. Uh, few are even marrying to begin with. Fewer stay married and fewer remarry. Uh, Taboo, what are your thoughts on this trend that's happening and what what's going on? How can we adjust this, especially for our men who are listening? Well, I want, I want to uh, empathize a little bit with my brothers out there who are listening because I think that uh, for a lot of folks, they don't really realize what what it means to be married and what it means for a man's psychology to step into marriage. I think the reason why the trend is there for men kind of bucking marriage or pushing back on marriage is because we don't feel valued uh, as a spouse. The role of the husband in the, in the marriage and the role of the father in the marriage has been eclipsed by a radicalized vision of, of womanhood, which has seen it in the male con contribution as replaceable or at least as negligible. So if, if that's the case, why would then a man say, yeah, that's something I really aspire to be, when actually I've been told and shown over and again in our society and by the many women in my life that actually there's nothing special about being a man. Most of the time, if you, if you talk to young men, they're going to say, yes, I'm a man, but I know that women are better than me. Mm. <laughs> as if we could be replaced, you know? <laughs> Imagine if we had As if we're comparable. As if we're comparable. I don't think we are exactly like that. That's, the, that's why we're living in a Catholic moment. And if we Catholics and Christians in general, people who believe in the Bible, could get ourselves motivated properly to spread the good news of God's vision for the world and not be afraid of what the world's going to define things. The world can define things how it's going to. This is how God has defined it. We can, we can shine forth with a real beauty because we can be the home where all men find themselves honored in their true nature as all women find themselves honored in their true nature. When that happens, you'll see men stepping into matrimony as something that they want and they covet because every creature looks for their own perfection, right? So if we see fatherhood and husbandry as a perfection of who I am as a male, I will go after it. But when you take those two things and say women can replace them, there's nothing special in it. You really ought not to even aspire for it. 
you're going to find men saying, okay, well, I'll give myself elsewhere. I guess it's video games, <laughs> gardening. I don't know what guys do if they don't get married, but <laughs> that's. I think that that's really what's at play. We've devalued that sense as a goal, something should, that should be striven for, but it doesn't have to be. We can, we can, we can, re, we can regain that narrative, Timory. That's very profound what you just said. I want to highlight that. You said every creature looks for its own perfection. And we, this is our Catholic moment you're talking about, need to help teach that husbandhood and fatherhood are the per, the what personifies that perfection of who a man is, that masculinity. That is a man in his truest sense to the fullness of his capacity, exercising what God has called him to be. Uh, and an interesting, um, an interesting note that people might not realize or think about in this question, when when the 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 women of the world give up chastity as a mandatory aspect of a relationship with them, they enable the men in the world to escape from the noble calling of matrimony. Mm -hmm. um, and in other words, if you give to the male. That physicality at, out of desperation or whatever you want to call it or a sense of power over him, etc., um, the, the male doesn't feel the need or compulsion to see dedication and commitment as a noble ideal and instead will we'll look down upon the entire institution of marriage. After all, why should I get married? What's the difference? What more is there on the other side of our wedding day? Uh, and I, there, I think that there's a, a call for a young woman who wants to find a real uh, husband. Chastity is the doorway. And summoning that man to chastity, it'll awaken in him a deep fire of nobility and heroism that will find its natural consummation in the institution of husband and father. If they, father. Can't, be if they can't be chased with you, in other words, I kind of wonder how, they, you know, how they'll be as a husband and a dad. That's Father Nathan Cromley here on Trending with Tim Ray. Find him at stjohninstitute.org. Father Nathan, we hear a lot of trends as we're talking about cold feet and why men are marrying late. Uh, every, I think, man in a certain respect has some level of nerves or cold feet before engagement, before a wedding. Can you distinguish what's happening now uh, in comparison to that natural nervousness that can occur with regard to such a huge commitment? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I wouldn't even say it's just men today, Timory, as you know, you know, I think young people in general in our American co culture are a little bit afraid of commitment and it, it, it plays itself out, of course, with men as well. But I, I want to speak to that because um, it, it's a fallacy that our culture gives us that says that safety and security is the goal. Uh, safety and security is not the goal for a human being. A human being is made by God to push outside of the envelope and to expand and grow, to fill the earth and to subdue it in a conquest that, that takes all of their talents and, and pushes them forward. Safety and security are nice things, but they're not what define us. Comfort doesn't define us. Greatness defines us. I'm thinking of a quote by John F. Kennedy when he sent America to the moon. He gives a whole list of the achievements that the American society made. And then he said, we do not do things like go to the moon because they're easy. We do them because they're hard. And the reason I'm summoning that is because when you then take a look at your life and commitments, I don't want you to buy into the world's philosophy 
that says that you know you can you're supposed to wait till you're 35 before you make a lifetime commitment this mm -hmm. is not the philosophy of christ on the contrary look to jesus who calls you to follow him even onto raging waters and to walk on them like the son of god the daughter of god that you are that means that commitment in other words what we're so nervous about is actually the pathway to our true greatness. Hmm. Let's actually take a Dave from Provo, Utah. I'm not sure if you called in before, Dave, uh, but I've heard comments very similar to yours, if not from you as well. Dave, why aren't you getting married? You're in your 30s. Uh, share with us. I want to hear your thoughts here. Uh, I have called in before. I'm actually the streamer that uh, that called in. But uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to get married because in America, no fault divorce. I currently work in banking and finance right now. No fault divorce means that at any time, for any reason, a woman can take fifty percent of my wealth and my assets. And you know, like many people, I'm paying down debt. I'm paying student loans. Uh, that is a huge financial risk. Um, and we see that more and more in the culture with you know the way people are, the more materialistic people are, and there's no real way to know how a person you know is let alone what they will become and to me that's just that's not a risk worth uh that's not a risk worth taking i i would never do any investment even on a financial level where the you know there there's a projected potential loss of at least 50 percent. that's just that's just not done well, I don't know how all the women feel about being compared to a monetary good, but I'm definitely getting a little bit of a chuckle out of it. I, that's, I, I do challenge you, Dave, if you're, con if you're equating women with basically the equivalent of a monetary good, I think there is something concerning there. And just to clarify, because I do want to get Father Nathan's thoughts on this, I think you have a really important point that is very valid. Uh, but just to clarify, Dave, do, I know you're 33. You mentioned before you came on air, do you have a child out of wedlock? Uh, I do, yeah. So okay. I don't want to run the risk of another relationship crashing and burning and then dealing with child support, custody battles. That's another aspect, too. Um, that's just way too much money to invest on any person. I, I wouldn't even do that for my guy friends. Okay, Father Nathan, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Wow, Dave. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, I, I I would take a different angle at that. I would look. I would. I'd be tempted to to look at that as. Um, I mean, our vocation is to give ourselves. It's not to stay safe financially, and so it's not an either or. Hopefully, you can do both. But if you if the question is, will you give yourself irrevocably to another human being, accepting the risk of change that that entails, and the answer is no. Um, I would challenge that 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 position could grow uh, with with the grace of Christ, because I'm I'm not quite sure that that's that that's really the way to go in following the Lord, because he took a huge risk and he died. <laughs> he died for the, the love and to give himself to the church. And he said to follow us by taking up our cross. So I'm not saying your position, your choice is wrong, especially with the child and the individual choices you have to make. But in general, I would say to our audience to be to be careful to to not say my life is meant for to to guarantee financial security when when we when we follow Joseph and Mary who didn't have financial security when they fled into Egypt um, after giving birth to the Lord in a stable. Mm -hmm.
Dave, I have a question for you. Are you still having or are you open to having relationships, uh, but just without marriage? Or are you just planning on being chased for the rest of your life? Uh, well, there's one quick point. I haven't decided that yet, but there's one quick clarification I want to make because I'm sure a lot of people are just confused. I am not Catholic. I am Hindu. And uh, my grandmother was from India on my father's side. So I'm coming. Um, there's obviously a very fundamentally cultural difference. Um, I've accepted, um, at least on that side of the family, I am considered unmarriageable because of my past life choices. So I've come to peace with that. So there's that aspect. So mm -hmm. I, I, I would, would not be considered marriageable by a Hindu matchmaker because I used to be addicted to opioids. I have a child out of wedlock and I have insane amounts of debt. When you mm -hmm. look at the mm -hmm. American side and the no-fault divorce and how easy it is to leave someone, I don't really have an option here either. So I simply just made peace with the fact that I will not be married. Hey, you didn't give yourself enough credit in the beginning. I think there's a lot of legitimacy to what you're saying. You you have this, uh, and by the way, welcome. Catholic or not, you are welcome here. It doesn't matter who you are. I'm happy to hear you're joining us here on Trending. Uh, Dave, I think that there, this is really tough sometimes culturally when there's this attitude that a person is unmarriable. In given a person's past, it lacks a redemptive understanding of the human person that we can be redeemed, that things can change, that we can change the course of our future by the decisions that we make today, even in the face of the decisions we made in the past. And, you know, I get it, you know, the child out of wedlock, the past of drugs, the financial ruin that you have experienced at times. Those are all things that can change. Grant, you're not going to get rid of your kid. Um, but these are things that are not um, something that make you uh, impossible to have a future. Now, could you choose, hey, you know, given everything I've experienced, I don't think I'm in a good place today or tomorrow to have a relationship. I think that's something really strong, actually, to be able to say, I'm not there now and I don't know if I will be. Uh, and again, that gives a totally different perspective from what you shared before. Father Nathan, any thoughts here? Well, just to encourage you, Dave, I mean, you've gone through a lot in your life. And uh, so just know the encouragement that God offers you to keep on fighting the good fight the way that you can, uh, wherever, wherever you are there. Father Nathan, I want to talk a little bit about risk because even kind of touched on that with a Dave's call, uh, men are very oriented naturally toward risk. What I found in the 21st century, the interest or tendency toward risk is either declined or it's been channeled in a different direction where risk might be shown in a, you know, playing a video game or, you know, <laughs> or, you know, financial risks such as gambling. You know, there are different things where people, men today are willing to risk themselves, but not in the same way that they used to. And in a certain respect, I think there's a vision, um, even going into marriage, where we're not going into marriage with this, like, risk and if it doesn't work, I'll just leave later. Uh, but knowing, hey, things aren't going to look exactly what uh, the way I think they will. You know, I don't know this person exactly how I th think I will know them 10 years into our marriage. There is a certain element of risk. And it used to be that something such as that appealed somewhat to men because it revealed a mystery of a human person in this choice to love. Exactly, Timory. You couldn't put it, you couldn't put it better. When you love you pass from the inner world of intention into the outer world where you you become what you've chosen. 
And our culture wants to emphasize the intention. My heart is this way. I'm a good person on the inside. Everybody's good. Everybody's born from the inside. And But there's a sickness there because we're, we're not made to stay intentional. We're made to pass into actions that can be judged and that are either good or bad and that end up molding and shaping the human person and our identity. I want our listeners to fall in love with having an identity that's externalized, that's been put forth into something you've become. The doorway between the inner and the outer is risk because as soon as you act on something, you now become less than a a, a safe uh, bet. You can lose, you can hurt, you can make mistakes, you can be hurt. But I'll say this, you cannot love effectively and truly unless you pass into that action. And so I think it's a big summons. We need to embrace risk by embracing love. That's Father Nathan Cromley here on Trending with Tim Ray. Check out his work, incredible programs, building up the leaders of the Catholic Church and our young people as well. stjohninstitute.org. That's S-A-I-N-T, johninstitute.org. For more information, checking out the incredible programs and resources there, we'll post a link on social media. Thank you so much for joining me, Father Nathan. I'll be right back during our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. How do you help your wife struggling with health, food, or fertility issues? We'll talk about that today on the show. listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome, welcome. We're in our weekly Gentleman's Hour every Wednesday. If you have a topic, question you'd ever like to hear discussed, we're happy to take it. We're talking about cold feet, praying like a man. Now I want to talk about how do you help your wife who's struggling with a health issue, a food-related issue or fertility. We'll talk about that in just a moment here on the show. But I do really want to challenge and encourage you. If you're in the state of California, Michigan, Vermont, we've been talking a lot about this recently, and that is the propositions that are voting uh, coming up in the voting uh, election in just a number of days and weeks ahead of us. Proposition 1 in California, Proposition 3 in Michigan and Proposition 5 in Vermont all need a no vote. If these propositions pass, which we cannot allow them to, it would lead to abortion on demand, free abortion, no parental notification. In fact, it goes so far in the language having to do with so-called reproductive freedoms that it would allow for minors. And I'm not just talking about teenagers. I'm talking about right, so-called rights for any individual person all the way down to a toddler to engage in utilizing puberty blocking drugs that block the natural development of his or her body, irreversible and damaging drugs, as well as bodily mutilation with so-called gender affirmation surgery. With no parental involvement, no parental notification, this is absolutely outrageous. And they're trying to argue for these rights on the part of individuals as a part of so-called reproductive freedoms. This will be an absolute mess. So we need a no vote in California, Michigan, and Vermont on those propositions. I really want to encourage you, please get out there and vote and do more than that. If you're in one of these states, you can be involved in everything from phone banks, making phone calls, volunteer a few hours, more than a few hours to get involved in a phone bank and literally make phone calls, calling voters, asking them to vote no and explaining what these propositions are because the information out there 
is extremely misleading and it is an absolute lie. So we need to help educate people. And I've been doing phone banks since I was about 10 years old. Yeah, my squeaky little voice then, just imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, we would call and it's easy. Your kids can even do it. So volunteer a day, a couple of hours, whatever you might be able to do. We're posting links and resources. And if you don't quite find the resource you're looking for, we're sharing many on social media as well as in the episode notes for today's show, relevantradio.com forward slash trending. But we need to get out there. I know many people might be able to be involved in canvassing, going door to door. Uh, there's a lot that we can do beyond our vote to make your vote count for more than one because the, ma- the truth of the matter is many people are not educated on this. And by educating them, you will help to change and literally save lives. Your vote counts for far more than one when you start to get involved with phone calls and canvassing in neighborhoods. So please check out the information we're posting on social media, as well as in the episode notes for today's show. It'll be available a little bit later, relevantradio.com forward slash trending, or wherever you catch your podcasts, we are there and the notes are there as well. Hey, coming up in November, we celebrate the lives of our friends and family who have passed and pray for their entry into the kingdom of heaven. Join your Relevant Radio family in prayer from November 2nd through the 10th as we offer novena for these holy souls. Submit up to 20 names of your departed loved ones at relevantradio.com souls. Now to November 10th. When you submit the names of souls to be prayed for, you'll also receive reflections from Father Rocky each day of the novena to help you more d- enter more deeply into prayer. So add your names of your loved ones at relevantradio.com souls and join us as we pray for them during Mass, Divine Mercy Chaplet, and Family Rosary Across America here on Relevant Radio. Okay, gentlemen, it's our weekly Gentlemen's Hour, and this is a topic so important and near and dear to my heart. How do you help your wife struggling with health and food and fertility? I received a lot of questions on this specific topic. In fact, Douglas recently wrote me. He said, I've heard you talk a lot about your own battle with Hashimoto's disease, thyroid, a polycystic ovarian syndrome. He said, how were you able to positively affect that with your diet? He said, my wife sounds very similar to you. We do use NAPRO technology, which is to help in achieving pregnancy as well, but she's still having a hard time. Uh, is there anything in particular with a diet um, that has helped you? Great question. And so it's ironic that I received this today as I also received a message from Nancy on social media who said she heard about my story with fertility and everything. And she said, I heard where you shared that you cut out gluten, dairy, and soy from your diet and your body normalized. So she said, I decided a couple months ago to give it a shot. She said, thank you. Three months later with this new diet, and she said, I've seen wonderful changes. I have a cycle for the first time in years. She's ovulating. She's continuing in her fertility journal with journey with a new hope. And so we're praying for her. She prays for a baby and for God's will to be done. Okay, gentlemen, why am I bringing this up during our weekly Gentleman's Hour? Well, I'm going to talk about it more tomorrow on the show. So you need to listen because it's so, so important. Uh, You as men, when there's a struggle with everything from fertility, food, diet-related issues, to health in general, your strength as a man and your encouragement can make the world of difference. My husband has been incredible in supporting and helping and working with me through these challenges I've had. And I've raised my hand, I've shared this with you. Over the last year, I've seen my Hashimoto's disease is in remission. My polycystic ovarian syndrome um, has been reversed. I, I was able to get pregnant for a second time very quickly and very surprised. Um, it, it's been great to see how 
healthy eating, healthy lifestyle, God's grace, and a supportive spouse can make a difference here. So gentlemen, here are some things you can do, and I'm going to unpack these a little bit more uh, tomorrow here on the show. And again, I think really couching it in your strength and your encouragement can be a game changer. I've seen so many women who are struggling with fertility and health issues, and a big part of that, such as any health issue, comes down to diet, exercise, and those day-to-day lifestyle changes. And I see many women who are willing to make them, but they need the support and encouragement as well of their spouse, their husband. And sometimes there's such large lifestyle changes, which I'll share has been in the, the that for me in particular, that I needed that additional, you know, involvement. And my husband, I really will say, has been great since day one about this. You know, his attitude has always been, just feed me how what you what you eat. You know, I'll eat what you eat. And I'll help, you know, in participating in that difficult diet. You know, he's owned my food allergies and he's even better than me when we go to restaurants on those rare occasions because it's kind of difficult or family events with packing food. I remember when we went on our honeymoon or any family vacation we've taken over the last few years, we travel with pre-made and pre-packed food in a big ice chest <laughs> transferring out ice. We don't really eat out on the road because it can be rather risky for me with some of my health issues. Uh, But that has been what has led to healthier body, um, better, nicer Timory at times, but also uh, better fertility outcomes and the ability to have children, carry children to term. uh, That has been part of my personal journey. And he has understood, you know, that vow that we make at the altar in sickness and in health. Well, A fertility crisis, a challenge in fertility, a health crisis, food allergies, that's part of that commitment in health that we make. And for men to stand there and encourage and support and give that strength in the midst of those very challenging health circumstances that occur that are becoming even more prevalent today, including the fertility crisis, uh, this is something where we need men to step up and own, recognizing that even if it's fertility only, a fertility issue only on the part of the wife, that's still your cross too. Just because there's nothing wrong with your contribution to fertility, well, the two of you have become one flesh. You are two individuals while still owning that sacrifice and those challenges that the two of you have together. So I'll talk a little bit more about um, resources, what you can do, uh, husbands as a spouse. It's our weekly marriage hour today. I'll even give resources for cookbooks and other resources that are so helpful for navigating those difficult food issues in particular. See you tomorrow on Trending. Coming up, Drew Mariani on the Family Rosary Across America. Dating, marriage, relationships, so many questions. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Thursday is our weekly marriage hour, and we'll do anything and everything from taking your questions on dating, marriage, relationships, including experts in all areas of relationships to long-term marriage. We'll also dive into some of the most important topics confronting how to find true love today. So join me Thursday at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.